Hi folks, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix in October the 1st, 2017. I was once again thinking today about the lack of what used to be called news, real news. And I've given talks over the past about the changing system of what's called news, including the inquiries they had in Britain and in Australia and other countries to literally restrict techniques of reporting news and so on and what could be said. But it was also a message to everyone in the media, journalists and so on, the few that are left perhaps, because there, are, there aren't any real journalists today that, that go out and do stories and, and try to find real news. I mean, real news to me is what affects everyone. Not the occasional thing about going after one person here, one person there. I talk about what affects us all. That, to me, that's news. And what you find really today is that you're, you're given a substitute for news. Data, and I've got, for years and years and years, I've, I've talked about data being the, the technique of making you think you're getting lots of information. And yeah, it's, informa- it's data. But 99% of it is complete junk and fabrication to occupy your time, your brain cells, and everything else. That's a technique of warfare. And believe you me, your governments are constantly at war with the people. And I don't care what group or party it appears to be in, it's all the same. The big agenda goes on. Always goes on. For years and years, I, I, I went over the whole idea behind the 9-11 uh, agenda, which really went into a straight agenda. The troops were already massed to go into Afghanistan elsewhere before it happened. And you had the PNAC group, as I've mentioned before, in its own website publishing the countries they wanted to take out and to eliminate. And you also find... The same group, actually, who wrote to Bush Jr. at the time, the letter I've got it to, where they also mentioned to get on with it, and here's the countries I'd like to take out, Mr. President, please. Nothing changed. And then you find, too, when Obama got in, that Don Rumsfeld eventually congratulated Obama for continuing the same wars, basically, on the same countries as the, the PNAC group had wanted in the first place. Today, of course, you know it's a continuation again, because when you hear Syria and Iran mentioned, well, they were also part of the, the list. General Wesley Clark talked about it on, I think it was Democracy Now! in 2007. And I'll put the link up if I can find it. But he, he mentioned it too, that right, a couple of months after, maybe a month after 9-11 happened, in 2001, he was talking with other staff, and they said, we're going into Iraq. And he says, why Iraq? You know, Because initially, the whole cry was to get into Afghanistan, supposedly. And they said, I don't know. It was the answer, I don't know. Well, the answer, too, is you have to see where these countries border. It's quite simple. <laughs> it's not rocket science here. Look at, look at the countries that are being taken out and where they border. And it's no surprise to anybody why you're going to war again, obviously, too. 
And forget North Korea. China isn't bothered about North Korea. And no one else seems to be bothered about North Korea. And I can remember years ago, too, the Bush Jr. group using North Korea as a decoy while they get up their mass to go into the Middle East. It's probably the same thing again, I would imagine. And also, don't forget the important thing is that the big military-industrial complex has got Donald Trump to get a great deal of military equipment sold to Saudi Arabia, and also to tell the other participants in NATO, etc., across the world, that they have to start paying more of of their share for defense. There's a lot of missiles and and anti-missile technology to be sold to South Korea and Japan and elsewhere, and they definitely want the big, big sales done. So that's also part of the North Korea thing that's going on right now, too. But if China, as I say, isn't worried about North Korea, and if North Korea truly was a strange, mad rogue, they always give you this mad rogue thing, you don't, don't they? A mad, it's like, like Ben Laden, too, this, this rogue guy who lives in a cave somewhere, supposedly, that came from a multi-billionaire family. They could never afford a decent camera. They're all always fuzzy pictures. It really is something, isn't it? What, what you're given for propaganda. It, it truly is incredible. And it never ends. It never, ever ends. It never will end until you get at least this part of the agenda, until you complete the taking out all the countries that were mentioned by Mr. Clark. He said on democracy now, Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya. That was done too, thanks to Obama. Somalia, they're still doing it there. Sudan, and then back to Iran. It was all to be done within five years. They'd hoped initially to get it all done in five years. But it's taking a bit longer. And they haven't finished. They also have, I think, well, there's a couple other countries in there too, actually, that are still going after as well. Since then, of course, they have taken out Libya. And they're still working at uh, Syria today. That There's articles out there today that the U.S. forces, as we know beforehand, that we're actually working with uh, ISIS fighters to take out Syria. We know that. I read the articles from the mainstream at the time. They've all, they've all gone quiet since then. So propaganda is, is consistent. It doesn't stop. And it doesn't have to be very, very technical in a sense, or even deep, as long in fact, they keep it simple. The simpler they can keep the propaganda when it doesn't make sense, the harder it is to pick it apart by the fact that it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't give you enough to go on to start having an argument. You just know it's wrong, but there's not, not enough uh, pretended facts there to, to, so you can challenge it. That's why it's kept so simple. And, it's, and therefore, no, no one has to come out and start lying at the top to any questions put forward. Remember, too, that Bush Jr., when he was asked why they, they went in to Iraq and to take out Saddam, he said, well, he says, no, Saddam had no intelligence that, that he had anything to do with 9-11, but he was a bad man and the world's better off without him. This is why outside of the U.S. there's a cowboy mentality to do with the U.S. That's how people perceive it often. But in reality, as we all know, it's not spontaneous as it would seem to be. There are definitely um, brains and other agendas, of course, and sometimes foreign agendas to do with the U.S. going out into the world 
on these different escapades. And there's always the economic factor too, and financial institutions, but certain ones always benefit off them. They've never fought a war yet in history, I think, to help anybody. No one has. It doesn't work out that way. And propaganda sounds great, but it doesn't happen in reality. You must always get the public on your side for anything. Getting back to propaganda, I mean, and I've gone through talks, many talks before on the subject. One of the guys who talked awfully well on propaganda was Jax E. Lull. Jax E. Lull was pretty good on it. And he looked at it all, how it worked. And he used the philosophical technique of literally, it was like, it was like um, <laughs> obsessive law in a sense, the way he would go from one thing to the other in his books. A lot of people couldn't handle it because it was just so intense. But he was trying to use this technique of logic, logic, logic. They must always use logic in, in true philosophy. Uh, philosophies which don't use the, the logical technique are really pushing agendas. That's really what their purpose is, in fact. In a true philosophy, the whole idea would be to define simply the truth, whether you like it or not. Much like a science. Even science is all politicized too, as we all know. But anyway, what you'll find, for instance, Jackson Law said, modern propaganda reaches individuals enclosed in the mass. And it's lots of people, but you're in the mass, as they say. And as participants in that mass, yet it also aims at a crowd. Remember that an individual in propaganda is never considered an individual, but always in terms of what he is in common with others, such as his motivations, his writings, or his myths, or tribal, for instance, or religious. And every, every tribe uses this to the present day. And we are under attack, for instance, we. Whenever you hear the term we, be very, very careful that you're not being used by somebody else for, for some other purpose. We. We immediately, done in the proper way, presented in the proper way, we will always lower your defenses and you're immediately on board with whatever you're going to be used for. It always says propaganda tends to make the individual live in a separate world. He must not have outside points of reference. He must not be allowed a moment of meditation or reflection. Fast talk, fast talk, fast talk. Think about it. Especially emotional talk is awfully important. Instead, successful propaganda will occupy every moment of the individual's life. Through posters and loudspeakers, when he's out walking, through radio and newspapers at home, through meetings and movies in the evening, and that was from uh, Formation of Men's Attitudes on Propaganda by Jackson. And remember, too, education is awfully important. He also said to make the organization of propaganda possible, the media must be concentrated. Very important. Very important. And I mean all media. You might think you've got more of everything. You don't really. You have the appearance of more of everything. Just like when Standard Oil, the old Rockefeller company, uh, was going through the court cases to do with its monopoly on everything, and they split it up into different companies with front men in charge, apparently in charge of corporations, but they were, they were still simply that. They were just front men in reality, and the Rockefellers still owned them all, 
all these corporations, individual ones. Same with the media. All media, by the way. That's how it works. So, this is media must be concentrated, the number of news agencies reduced. So you have newspaper chains today, or groupings, where one mogul can own a whole stack of different newspapers. And they do. And the press brought under a single control, and radio and film monopolies established. Very important, eh? The effect will still be greater if the various media are concentrated in the same hands. So that's how it really works. Nothing changes. And remember, too, all media is the same. When you see even alternate media getting reduced and reduced and reduced and reduced, then you must ask what's going on. Power is behind everything, remember. It's always to do with power. And one thing monopolies do is to knock out everybody else that they perceive as actually rivaling them, or in the same field even, get rid of them, or buy them over if possible. Many ways to do it, or threaten them, which happens as well. That's the way life really really works. The internet, for instance, as we know, how much of the stuff you see on the internet is actually of any use to you? Stacks and stacks of data, but how much of it is really of any use? Used to you. Why, why, why do you think you've got all these prompts when you look up one particular thing, and you got all these prompts saying, "Well, people who, who who saw this item also looked at this," and there's a whole list of stuff. You could spend your life going round on what the meet, what they're telling you to go and watch or do, and that's not by accident. Supposing you look into, for instance, something that's controversial, to find all sides of everything on any particular topic, they know what they want to do with you if you're inquiring about something. Right off the bat, they want to give you people looked at this, also looked at that. And before you know it, you've had your mind made up for you by following the circuit that they give to you to, to look at. Very clever. Works all the time, every day on thousands and thousands of people, and they don't know it's even happening. What's interesting, too, is the reaction you'll get once in a while, or you'll notice, by the mainstream media, and all media, for that matter, these days. When, say, a person like Donald Trump is supposedly out of favor with all the big establishment characters, supposedly, but they gave him suddenly big marks in the polls when he attacked. And it was an attack. He launched all the missiles against Syria to do with the false gassing over there. And suddenly he shot up in the polls. Oh, he's going to do the right thing now. He's, going to, he's back, on, back on track, back on the agenda. Good. And that's, that was it. Shot up in the polls. Same thing again when he, he talked... And basically, remember, too, I have no time for the star-making nonsense of presidents and prime ministers. They're, as far as I'm concerned, they're front people. I've read the articles, and from the, I've actually read from the book uh, many times of Carl Quigley, who was the historian for the Council of Foreign Relations for a long time. And it's, just a, it's just really the U.S. branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private clubs 
of the real establishment. And even they're not the top characters, but that's their job. Above them, there's an inner party too, and there's the outer party that most of them are in, the, the, the journalists or even the moguls who own the, the media. And you can almost tell what they want. Some are very, very obvious in what they want. Remember, too, the CFR doesn't mind having communists, fascists, dictators on board. They've got everything on board as long as they're all on board with the same global agenda. And Quigley talked about that, too. When Quigley, in fact, took over as a historian for the CFR, he also took over from a communist who had been put in charge of the archives for the CFR. So don't be put off. And Quigley also said we're often mistaken for the communists because we seem to have an awful lot in common with communistic goals. Now, Trump himself, as I say, is a front man, like they all are. And people are getting worried now because you can see a lot behind them of who starts to emerge. And you can see the neocon agenda rearing its head again to finish off more years of the, of the war and so on, but as fast as possible. At least that's what the rhetoric is on about right now. And I've often thought about the wars of, of other countries too. But the, before, before the US, it was Britain. Britain handed the torch over to the US to continue the same agenda. Look at the mess Britain is now. It really doesn't exist as such anymore. It's been hammered and hammered and hammered, still being hammered. And the people who are traditional British people have been taught to hate themselves to an extent by their, their own BBC, which and the BBC is a, a government corporation, although they do have shares sold, and the shares sold to it, by the way, by the BBC, are owned by the CIA. And you can look at that for yourself and find out when they, when they sold them. I read it on the air at the time from the newspapers. So nothing's ever as it seems to be. So Trump is supposed, now he's getting all the, the harass, harass, harass again from certain people in the media to do his speech at the United Nations because he's promised basically to get tough on Iran, which has to be taken out because uh, it's in the same list as the other ones that were on the, the one that, that Wesley Clark talked about. And big boys never, ever, ever back off from their agendas, you know. They might let it slide a year or two here and there, but, but they always continue it. And that goes along with all the agendas of the United Nations. That goes along with all the greening agendas, the, the taxation agendas for carbon and so on. They're at it continuously. With your tax money, you can employ armies, if need be millions of people, to get it all done. But here's an article here for, to give you an example. Remember, remember Trump, too, uh, reads speeches. And we know who his speechwriter is. So why do we even, I used to say before, why do we bother with presidents and prime ministers? It'd be cheaper just to hire the front men who are the, the speechwriters and maybe give them their awards, like Academy Award type of things, for writing speeches that, that, that amuse us all. And uh, maybe lesser prizes for the whole teams that work with uh, these front men. And then you wouldn't have to pay all the all, all the, the the homage to a, a prime minister or whatever. Yeah, the speechwriter is fine after they're doing the real work and they're telling you what you're supposed to think and do and so on. So, but anyway, this article here 
is by Elliot Abrams of the Cancer and Foreign Relations and some other groups as well, who's given a rah-rah for Trump on his speech at United Nations. For those who bother to look at it all, it was quite something. And But again, it's written by someone else, obviously. The agenda is all in it, at least a good part of the agenda. Not all, but a good part of it. And it's got approval of CFR, at least, at the very least, and others too. You've seen the same thing too with John Bolton, and he has given it the best speech. He's the best speech of the Trump presidency. Anybody can read a speech, remember. Huh? Anybody can do that. And don't forget to even read it. It's a kind of particular one way screen that they read it behind. They can see the speeches you can't. It appears if the person is just talking to the audience. And they turn left and you stop for a while reading it and then turn right and read it, you know, back and forth to make it very authentic looking. As Bolton says, it's safe to say in the entire history of the United Nations, there's never been a more straightforward criticism of the unacceptable behaviour of other member states. And it's true enough that the United Nations is no great institution at all. It's a mass bureaucracy. Some of them are actually saying, well, Trump gave it to them and, and complained that uh, they're... they're, they're they're too top-heavy, basically, with bureaucrats, etc., which, of course, they are. And some of them say, that, well, it's never meant to be a true world government. Oh, yes, it was, because I've got the old books with, uh, here that were printed at the time by members who set up both the League of Nations before it and, and the United Nations afterwards. And they said quite blatantly it's supposed to be a world, uh, end up being a world government. That's by the by. Again, we're not given news anymore. We're given scripted, just like scripts for television, or scripted speeches and so on. That's what we're given. Then the media goes on uh, as though there was a brand new, authentic thing, spontaneous. And, all, uh, and that, that's what they give you as news. It really it makes you sick, doesn't it? Another article here is The Killing of History by John Pilger. It's a good article. You know, John Pilger always has... His facts straight, and he has been in in the field of of literally the field of war correspondence for an awful long time, and he knows what he's talking about. He has what's claimed far far left uh, leanings, but again too, you cannot be far left or far right completely in this world. Because certain things make sense in one side, just make sense in another. Of course they do. But he does talk about some new series that are out, it's out about for television on uh, the Vietnam War. And he says, The Killing of History, that's the title. And he says, the, the directors of this one are Ken Burns and Lynn Novick. He says, in a society often bereft of historical memory and enthralled to the propaganda of his exceptionalism, as they say, Burns' entirely new Vietnam War is presented as epic historic work. His lavish advertising campaign promotes his biggest backer, Bank of America, which in 1971 was burned down by students in Santa Barbara, California, as a symbol of the hated war in Vietnam. Burns said he is grateful to the entire Bank of America family, which has long supported our country's veterans, he says. Bank of America was a corporate prop 
to an invasion that killed perhaps as many as four million Vietnamese and ravished and poisoned a once bountiful land. More than 50,000 American soldiers were killed. Around the same number are estimated to have taken their own lives in suicides. I mean, drugs were rampant there too. The CIA, everybody's involved in it there too. A lot of testing went on. And this doesn't include uh, all the, the ones that end up being maimed and crippled. Personally, I think it was a big, big experiment that was done there too. And anyway, he, he's not happy with this presentation to do with the war in Vietnam. He says, um, the dishonesty of this statement is not surprising. The cynical fabrication of false flags that led to invasion of Vietnam is a matter of record. And that's true. I mean, you can actually hear the, the, the talk between the, the commander of the, uh, of the fleet that was over at Tonkin, the Gulf of Tonkin, and the president of the U.S., or at least the, the president's men. And they were definitely trying to coach him, like, and, and is that a torpedo trail you see, or is it not? And, and all this kind of stuff. They wanted some, any flimsy excuse to get it all going, you see. It says, uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident in 64, which Burns promotes as true, was just one of these false flags. The lies litter a multitude of official documents, notably the Pentagon Papers, which the great whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg released in 1971. But he was through it in, uh, in, in quite good, all, all the hypocrisy and the nonsense, as they kind of whitewash this, even in a television series, they whitewash all the corruption and so on that was really going on at the time. They always do, mind you. They always do. And they always tried to leave the public with some kind of meaning of, of all. And there was no meaning for all. Because if you really look at where the communists were, real communists, they were running the U.S. State Department, and perhaps still are. All along. And they always tell you to go over there, over there, over there. Another article, just to put out today, because I say there's really a lack of articles. There's not much real news. Most things out there is a rehash, in a sense, of what's been happening before. But there's one here in Russia releasing photos showing the U.S. Special Forces and at the SDF, the Syrian Defense Force, which is actually the rebels that are sent in, and they call them Syrian Defence Forces and so on, working in ISIS territory with no fear of attack. So the Russian Minister of Defence may have corroborated what many researchers and journalists familiar with the Syrian crisis have been exposing all along, that the United States is working directly with ISIS on the ground and that its SDF forces are doing so as well. And it goes on and on and on. And, well, it shouldn't surprise us, because even... Again, I read lots and lots of articles over the years to do with the U.S. funding ISIS. And they were even arming them through Qatar at the time. And so on and so on. As well documented what was going on. A proxy army rather than get the boots on the ground. And that was one of the contentions that, that was going on when, when Trump and Hillary were both competing for the big bosses of the planet, really, is who would get the boots on the actual American boots on the ground, or would they continue with proxy armies? Really, that's a good part of it there too. 
uh, getting back to what I mentioned about Britain earlier, look at the mess Britain's in now with all of us. I mean, World War One and modern warfare and the cost of it almost bankrupted Britain and World War Two was if it finished it off completely because it all borrowed money. Tremendous money goes into these, these massive wars. Massive wars. And that's why the military-industrial complex is profits as they use these countries for other, other agendas that even the citizens of the countries are unaware of. And that's how big it is. Nothing is so simplistic as a propaganda they give you at the time for any war. Nothing. And the, the, why do you think is, is, is 50 to 100 years afterwards that they, they might declassify so many articles to give you a different version of it? But that time, everybody involved at the time's dead. And the, the children coming up or whatever, or the third generation, they don't care. They don't care by then. It's well understood. And you get fed up with it. You really, really get fed up with it, don't you? I do, with lies and nonsense. Another thing I want you to just touch on briefly here is the effect of the sciences and communication especially and how it's affecting the people. Because, again, you, people think they've got way more access to real information. But in reality, yeah, you have access of stacks of data and information, but not real, no, not real information. The stuff that should really be given to really, really inform you for your own benefit. And remember, in talks I've given before, too, to do with science, and it's well understood and it's taught, as a matter of course, that any new invention given to the public will alter the behavior of the public. And that's the first thing that the manipulators always jump on, to alter your behavior. When radio came out, they, they found they could influence the public on a massive scale, at once, all at the same time with one or two shows per week on television serials where they'd have a cliffhanger at the end of it and you'd have to tune in tomorrow or the next day to find out what happened to the hero or heroine or whoever it happened to be. And they found that people would hurry home and change their, their schedules to get home and listen to that episode. That's behavior modification. Now, once you've got TV going the whole bit and all the pornography gradually increasing, look at, look at the mess we're in now. It's all standard fare today. But you can also watch as people are altered with their Facebooks and all their other things that they go into and their Twitter, as they say, birds Twitter, birds tweet. How powerful are the birds? Huh? People are getting really influenced, and they can be goaded. It's, it's so interesting to watch how they, they use the crowd technique again, the peer pressure of political correctness. And people on Facebook who come up with a different opinion than the one that's being pushed, one good person, I mean good, well-trained person in any particular account, can turn the mob on the person with the independent opinion on something, if it's not politically correct and have them shunned in no time at all. Very clever techniques are going on all the time. And believe you me, it's a great training ground for all the top behaviorist modification. They've got stacks of agents out there doing all that kind of stuff. They have from the beginning. Of course they have. But everything's propaganda, as I say. Everything, and it will alter people's behavior. 
because eventually they can, they, it's, it's even harder, I think, for people to think for themselves. Television was bad enough, but you could still hear people talking and debating what they'd seen and having different points of view. I think now, with the internet, uh, it, it's becoming more and more difficult for people, especially with the high definition and all the rest of it, too. Remember, the Pentagon itself did, a few years ago, come out with the topics of modifying people's behavior and even giving physical changes with heartbeats and, uh, and so on, and even dangerous things they could do by groupings of pixels and little flashes that weren't obvious to the conscious mind, but they could actually alter the beha- the, your brain <laughs> by, by what you were seeing and, and being unaware of on the screen if they want to target anybody. They said they could even alter, if not cut off, the impulse to the heart from the brain. Quite amazing, eh? <laughs> so what else do you think they can do with it? We know, too, that there's under studies, and they have admitted in the past, that reading anything on, the, on that white light that's there, reading it, it will not be retained for, for very long compared to reading it on paper. They, they know all this, of course. Now, why, why is that? It's because there's other things at work, what you're looking at there, that's why. So, yeah, things introduced into the public domain, including your cell phone, will change your behavior. Now people can't do without their phones. They'll panic if they lose them uh, or if they get stolen. And they even even give new psychiatric definitions for these phobias and fears of losing their phones and so on. It's quite something. It's quite a time to live through and watch all this happening. And the behavior modification is going on daily with everybody. And the fact that people today have been trained awfully well by all the fake media. And by the fake, I'm talking about the fake stories, it's all sex and this, all the rest of it, or stars doing this and stars doing that. Complete fabrication. But they have been trained that this is the new media, this is the new news. This is what passes as news. And what happens then is that you're safe now. You're not looking into anything that really matters when you're, when you're following the trash. Why do you think there's so much trash out there and, and sexual things to do with, and they call it news? And, and sex sells, as you all know, but sex also is addictive, obviously. And when they can hypersexualize until the people are thinking about nothing but sex, and, and so there, then there won't be any problem to those who are ruling the world. And they're being taught not to even be involved in seeking out what's happening in the world. Because the, the, the next phase is to give the Club of Rome what it's always been after since they claim that democracy doesn't work now, you see. And that's really your administrative bureau that will be unelected. And you'll all be trained. Most folk are already ready for it. To just accept it as it is. Oh, well, you know, they're specially trained for everything and they can manage the world fine. Yeah. And I'll just go out and play. And they'll deal with all them problems for me. And that's what's happening today. Now, number one, two articles to do with the Kurds. The Kurds, again, were used initially, and I guess, to Iraq. And they're still being used on the border of Iran. But Kurd referendum, crude oil rises to 26-month high and Turkey threatens to cut Kurdistan oil pipeline. And it's cut quite a bit, actually. 
because it says the pipe went to Turkey's port of Sehan, usually pumps between 500,000 and 600,000 barrels per day. That's oil. The loss of the supply combined with 1.8 million BPD of supply cuts by the OPEC and non-OPEC producers has raised concerns of tighter supply. And it's to do with this rumor or a rattling of, of basically the Kurds expanding their territory, etc. And it says to here too that, that the Iraqi government as well said it will not hold talks with the Kurdistan regional governments about the results of the referendum, which is expected to show a comfortable majority in favour of independence after the results are announced in about 72 hours. So there you get that kind of stuff going on there. And then you get Iran halts flights to Iraq's Kurdish region in retaliation for independence vote. So there's more to it than meets the eye, of course, at, at this particular time, as you can well see. You find even in the Israeli papers, they talk about it. Top Iranian general says Kurdish referendum is an Israeli plot. <laughs> and aid to Iran's supreme leader also claims independence vote in Iraqi Kurdistan, a plan hatched by Jerusalem to fuel violence following the IS or ISIS defeat, as was Islamic State defeat. So... In amongst that will be some truth somewhere. And there will be funds flowing in, regardless, to stir it all up and get it going once again. Your whole life, really, for a lot of people already, since 9-11, and even before 9-11, has been to do with the wars in the Middle East, isn't it? 91, was it? Gulf War One, all the way to the present. And that's all you get. And you wonder why. Government prepares for 70 children of ISIS fighters to return to Australia and plans to give them counselling, welfare and new identities. As at least 110 Australians are still in Syria and Iraq fighting for the terrorist groups. Does that seem odd for you that Britain's doing the same thing and brings them all back home again when, when required? More than 70 children expect to return to Australia this year, and the Turnbull government will be offering them privacy and an education. Despite welcoming them with welfare, the public safety remains a top priority. That's a bit of a paradox there, I think. This is, again, these things don't happen by themselves. There's big agendas at work, folks. And... For the rest of your lives, I'm not the only person saying this. Some of the top generals have said that right after 9 11, this, 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 this terrorism thing is going to happen for the rest of your lives. Get used to it. Because it's a new method of controlling the world as you go into a truly globalized system. How else can they control you at the very top and keep you under their power, basically? Another article here, too, is to do with <laughs> the military-industrial complex. Now, Britain has a, a, a very, I think it's nearly a million pounds each armoured vehicles. And they spent 400 million on what is called the Fox Sound armoured vehicle. And they're rotten to deal with uh, the demanding conditions in Iraq. <laughs> Only one problem is they're all breaking down in the hot weather. So someone got their, their sums wrong, as they say, when they designed the thing. And here you have it, eh? 400 million 
spent in about a million pounds each, and no God knows what it costs for for the maintenance and and constant repairs for them. So it says they're placed to heavily criticised, lightly armoured, snatched Land Rovers after 37 soldiers died altogether. Now, so the fox hounds, these new ones, were first deployed in Afghanistan in 2012 and were described as providing unparalleled protection for its waiting class. However, using them on patrol in Iraq, the soldiers said they keep breaking down due to the heat. Hey. Well, I guess you can spend more millions and and all that. I don't know why they're over there in the first place for. It's never been explained why they're over there. Do you really think that people in little caves had anything to do with 9-11? And certainly the the people supposedly that were on the the planes at the the towers were, were, uh, even mentioned even in the CBC Canada, they were were primarily uh, from Saudi Arabia the greatest uh, ally to the military industrial complex because they sell most of the stuff there. Now, the one thing that, that goes, uh, bits of news to do, real news that, that, to do with the agenda are, are of interest because they're presented as handouts in a sense and most folk don't read it where these handouts come from and so on. But this article is about government establishing Green Finance Task Force. And here's this one for UK. Now, I've mentioned about the green banks before. The Rothschilds have been involved with them too. And uh, even the carbon credits eventually have to go through the, I think the Roth, or they did eventually, they, at one point they said in the media years ago, they would end up putting their, their, their carbon taxes through the private Rothschild family bank in Switzerland. Whether they'll still do that or not, I don't know. We know that the Blood and Gore group and all the rest of them are going to profit off it all. Uh, the ones who terrify you so as they can profit all, that's the whole point of it, and control you, are, are, are raking in the cash already with, the, with the trading carbon credits. You pay for all, they trade it and get money off it. Anyway, government establishes Green France Task Force. New government measures are expected to build on the UK's global leadership in green finance as part of the move to a low-carbon economy. And the government's announced the new task force comprised of senior financial experts with the aim of driving forward the growth of green finance in UK industry. <laughs> That's only been this left will be the, the greening industry and the carbon industry. The government believes that the transition to a low-carbon economy offers multi-billion pound investment opportunity for the big boys, you know, which will create high-value jobs and international trading opportunities for the big boys themselves. It's anticipated that the new task force will enhance the country's global leadership in the So you have leadership and multi-billionaires becoming multi-trillionaires. How is that? Isn't that pretty good, eh? And it says, a task force chaired by Sir Roger Gifford, who was a former Lord Mayor of London at one time, has been given six months to deliver proposals to accelerate investments in the transition to a low-carbon economy, creating opportunities for UK businesses. <laughs> it's just trading stuff. And everybody's going to get taxed into the ground with it, of course. And you've been to austerity because they've been planning austerity for a long time. I read all the articles a few years ago. 
about austerity and the coming austerity and all the global meetings I had on it, how to get you into austerity. Well, this is one of the biggest ways to do it. It isn't just to tax you. It's that you're spending money. It's all to go, to go in taxes and in, in uh, energy, even like heating, big time, and food. Food, that's why food has been going up and up and up. They were all given permission to by the governments because food actually is highly regulated or used to be by the governments. They got, if you can't keep everybody eating, you lose your country. So I'll put this up about this green economy. Every country is in on that too. And who is this uh, Sir uh, Gifford? Well, <laughs> he's quite interesting really. Born in Scotland, although he's he's... Parents were, I think one of them was from Argentina. Yeah, it says here that his father was of Argentinian and Lowland Scots descent. And Hazel Collingwood, educated at uh, Sadberg. They went to Trinity College, Oxford, and so on. Now, he started his career in finance with guess who? S.G. Warburg. And he worked in international banking and capital markets. In 1982, left to join a new merchant bank, and that's why he's a merchant banker, as I say, in skilled uh, securities in Scandinavia. He's a former chairman of the Swedish Chamber of Commerce and of the Association of Foreign Banks. He's a trustee of St. Paul's Cathedral Foundation and so on, chairman of the City Music Foundation, the English Chamber Orchestra Charity, and Tenebrae Choir, and so on. He's a liveryman of the worshipful companies of musicians, Cord wainers and security professionals. He served as master of the worshipful master of international bankers. <laughs> the worshipful company of international bankers. And he was the master of it for a while. So you wonder why he's been put in charge of this big green bank, eh? And he's sponsoring aldermen for the Guild of Public Relations practitioners. So that's the propagandists, I suppose. <laughs> it's quite something when you go through it all, isn't it, really? <laughs> aye, aye, aye. I tell you. And the rich get richer, eh? In the big club at the top. And you're not in on it. Also, the present London Mayor, Sadiq Khan, who's never made a compromise he didn't like, demands Britain bans fireplaces and wood-burning stoves to tackle air pollution. Not as to get up in his own career to get beyond just the mayor, of course. They all know what to say, you see, the political correctness and the point system to get up to get up there, don't they? They all know that. Even the children in school probably know that now because they all hear it incessantly from their indoctrinator professionals. Called teachers. And of course, we also know that you get California that always leads the cancers of the world, which we call political correctness, that's going to phase out their gasoline cars, and no doubt diesels too, after 2040. Interesting that 10 years later, the world's population is supposed to suddenly dip. I wonder why. Maybe because they can't heat themselves or travel, and neither can you drive the fuel to them, I suppose, if you can't drive at all. But I'm sure all that's well planned again by the folk who rule the world and make it all happen. And you think you're all involved somehow because you, you're allowed to vote every few years and that's all you have to do is just vote for somebody. 
is presented to you and you believe it all. <laughs> now, I'm sure everybody's seen that Hugh Hefner died there. And one of the articles here says the bitter fruit of Hefner's life's work has helped poison American families. And I remember, too, the whole idea of pornography and hypersexualizing society. Uh, many are organizations that were involved in the communist globalist agenda talked about the destruction of the family unit and putting out promiscuity, bringing in abortion to deal with the fallout from promiscuity, etc., etc., etc. And we can see it all today. Uh, I'll put this link up about Hefner and so on. Not that I've, I've read, read much about him at all, because there's nothing much for me to be interested here at all with this character. But anyway, what, what is interesting is sex diseases in the U.S. surge to a record high. These things are interesting. They're always doing their statistics to test the hair. That's all of us to see if their agendas are working. That's why they do all these things, all these tests, you know. And it's about STD, sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, the surge to a record high in the U.S. last year, with more than 2 million cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis nationwide. Now, I, I guarantee you, there's way, way more than 2 million. Because most folk who have chlamydia don't even know they've got it. And they can have it for years. And the same with syphilis, by the way. Syphilis generally has no pain at all with the initial chancre the infection site. And it goes away after maybe a few days to a week. And they think no more about it. But it's working inside them for up to 20 years sometimes. Three stages. And they spread it and spread it and spread it. Once it's in the third stage, there's nothing they can do. Actually, at the end of the, the second phase period, there's not much they can do at all. Anyway, this is, this is the highest number ever, said the annual sexually transmitted disease surveillance report released by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Interesting term for disease control, not elimination, but not controlling it. Most new cases, 1.6 million in 2016, involved chlamydia, a bacterial infection that affects both men and women. Gonorrhea has also increased amongst men and women last year, but the steepest rise was amongst men, 22%. Nationwide gonorrhea cases reached 470,000, with a large share of new gonorrhea cases amongst men who have sex with men. Uh, these trends are particularly alarming because of the growing threat of gonorrhea becoming resistant to the last recommended treatment. Syphilis cases number 28,000, a rate that increased nearly 18% from 2015 to 16. Most cases of syphilis occur amongst men, mainly gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. But women, too, saw a 36% increase in rates of syphilis. There are more than 600 cases of syphilis amongst newborns, known as congenital syphilis, a 28% increase in a single year. It led to more than 40 deaths and severe health complications amongst the newborns. Every baby born with syphilis represents a tragic systems failure. And so on and so on. But there's way more folk actually have diseases. And that doesn't include all the, the human papilloma virus and stuff like that either. Or the herpes and so on. Also, this one is, is about from Los Angeles Times. It says, for the second year in a row, the number of babies delivered in the U.S. fell in 2016. According to a new report from the National Center for Health Statistics. For some groups of women, the birth rate reached record lows. So this article goes on to say, 
that the total number of babies born in the U.S. last year was 3,941,109. That's 37,388 fewer babies than were born in the U.S. in 2015. So it's a 1% decline. The number of births tends to rise as the population rises. So statisticians uh, like to make historical comparisons by calculating the general fertility. This is the number of births per 1,000 women considered to be of childbearing age. And that's between, here they have between the age of 15 and 44. In 2016, the U.S. fertility rate hit a record low of 62 births per 1,000 women, ages 15 to 44. In 2015, the general fertility rate was 62.5. Another useful statistic is the total fertility rate. This is the estimate of the total number of babies that 1,000 women would have over their lifetimes, based on actual birth rates for women in different age groups. In 2016, the total fertility rate for American women was 1,818 births per 1,000. That's the lowest it's been since 1984. In order for a generation to exactly replace itself, the total fertility rate needs to be 2,100 births per 1,000 women. The U.S. has been missing that mark since 1971, though the country's population has grown due to immigration. And it goes on and on and on. But uh, as I say, there's no, there's no pleasing those in charge who, who say there's too many of us to start with. And then they, they say, oh, there's not enough of you, and you're all dying off. And, and they'll bring more and more immigrants in too. But then they tax them all the more for, for creating more carbon, etc. I mean, there's no, you understand the whole thing's a con game. Big, big con game going on. Because obviously, if you were declining and declining, they'd be happier and happier if they were going to save the world, right? The less people born, then then the less carbon we get created in just their existence, breathing, number one, and then even having to eat various things in two that that produce carbon uh, and even keep themselves warm or cool. They wouldn't be using all that that power uh, that often comes from carbon or produces carbon as well. So wouldn't they, be, wouldn't they be happier if there's fewer and fewer people? But nope, nope. They're never happy. And it's not meant to be because it's not meant to be logical. It's an agenda for other purposes. And also, the World Population Data Sheet 2014, I'll put that up as well. Remember, two we're going sterile in the West by design. And people are aborting more children, I think, actually, than they're having uh, live births in some, some places. And that's well understood as well. And you think we're on the decline here, and we're falling apart, and so on. If you were coming into another country, or even from outer space, and you're looking at the country or the world, and you would look at society, and you'd wonder what happened to them from the, mar- the massive... Uh, it's almost self-nihilism that's, that's put across as, as fashion today. Uh, remember, the, 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 the whole idea of getting them to stick pins through themselves and chains and all the rest of it too. It's nihilistic, of course. And hasn't stopped there. A model decided to tattoo her eyeball, and now she's partially blind. Now, they, they call it here, pictures of the Canadian model, I often say, showed her sporting purple hair or purple lipstick 
or the purple tinge of her numerous tattoos peeking out from beneath a tank top. Then she decided to tattoo her eyeball, a procedure called sclera staining, which ink is injected into the white part of the eye, and she wanted purple for the eyes. And I've terms for this this uh, advanced kind of body changing. <laughs> and then she also has uh, her tongue uh, cut along against the middle to, to literally create a forked tongue. Now, not long ago, uh, <laughs> authorities will dealt with that in a different way, but... Uh, but this is the this is what's being promoted in different different areas of science, as you well know, for different reasons, and for the creating of a whole different species of humans down the road. If you can get all kinds of factions of of, of humans, which they're already underway doing, of course, then it'd be no big surprise, or, to, or or there'd be no objection to the public when they start cloning different kinds of even chimeras. This kind of thing, as far as I'm concerned, is all to get you kind of used to it, to be honest. There's always other reasons for things. Even when people themselves don't know why they're doing it. They think they might know why they're doing it, but they might not. But yeah, it's, it's quite something, isn't it? Remember there was a, a woman who, who had so much surgery at one point, but she was trying to make herself look like a cat, for goodness sake. Now why really is that news? Hmm? There are reasons for things. Why is it news? You can be anything you want to be, apparently, going under the surgeon's knife, eh? So the surgeon can... No, the surgeon just cuts bits and pieces off you and then kind of moulds parts to make it look like something which it really is not. That's not really changing things. Surgery at one time was supposed to be in the business of doing no harm. All medicine was. And you don't do invasive surgery of any kind. Unless it's utterly necessary. So there's many reasons for things going on, as you all know. And there's a lot of psychological warfare going on too. All with a design, at the end of it all, as to where they want to take you. Always think about that. Everything today is propaganda. Everything. And most of real things that are going on in the world, we'll never hear about. Never. And if eventually they have to let you know about something... It'll be so heavily spun, you'll never get the real answers for why it all happened in the first place. That's how bad it is now. But that, that's what they always wanted, that you leave the world and the running of the world to your betters. That's what they want you to believe. And unfortunately, lots of folk do. Indignation is becoming a rare thing, I think, today. Anyway, from myself, Alan Watchman here at Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.